All right, it's uh, episode 15 of the Apex Vaulting Podcast, and we have a very special guest today, um, Joe Oliveri. Many of you know him as Joe Bro 391 Some of you might like him, love him, and there's probably a few of you out there that uh, hate him, you know? Uh, Joe, let, let's start out with... Uh, I mean, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. We definitely got to talk about July 15th, the Northeast Polo Club Championships. Oh, yeah. You know, I think it's a fun event, and you're actually going to be announcing, and, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But since we brought it up, you know, you've been on the internet for years, whether it's YouTube, Pole Vault Power, whatever, and you kind of known as that guy that kind of like uh, criticizes a lot of professional pole vaulters. I mean, how do you, like, I'm giving you the chance to kind of like explain why you do what you do, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, first of all, let me say it's a great pleasure to be here. Hey, no problem, man. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I remember starting off on the Internet years and years ago, back in uh, high school, you know, a little, <laughs> little, little nine-foot pole vaulter, mm -hmm. just trying to learn as much as he could. And unfortunately, you do get a lot of garbage with a lot of the good stuff, but... Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the internet, you know, a lot of times and I've discussed it with other people and I've heard other people talk about this in other sports even where, you know, yeah, you're going to get a lot of nonsense on the internet, but there is good information out there. You just kind of got to sift through it, you know? Oh, absolutely. Everything's got to be taken with a, a grain of salt, you know, grain of sand. And um, I'd say, unfortunately, there's a lot, of, a lot of chefs, a lot of chefs in the kitchen. It's unfortunate to get too much, uh, too much cross signals, too many mixed messages. Um, and I've been one of those, uh, unfortunate cooks in a kitchen <laughs> with a lot of chefs. Okay. Um, well, but like, look, let's, let's get a little bit more specific and actually just to address something you said, I remember one time on pole vault power, uh, Becca mentioned somebody who was like asking questions about jumping and, and someone asked a question and the kid said they were training at vertical assault with Mike Lorick, who we've had on the podcast. And Becca was mm -hmm. like, listen. Trust your coaches. Those are good coaches. You should just be listening to what they're doing. They actually see you every day. Uh, you shouldn't be asking for advice, like, internationally, basically, <laughs> uh, from people who have never seen you pull bolt before. Um, but that being said, like, all right, so, like, you, you would comment, let's say, like, on a, on a professional pole vaulter's YouTube video, like, what, why did you do that? Like, what inspired you or what pushed you to kind of, like, or compelled you, I should say, to comment on other people's jumps? Like, what, what was the purpose in your mind? Well, I guess for me, it's just a matter of trying to share as much wealth of knowledge as possible. Um, you know, in my personal opinion, I don't think there's anything sweeter on this planet than uh, looking at a good, nice, smooth jump. And uh, sometimes you see a jump, there's a few flaws in there. You just want to you just want to hope as much as possible that those little flaws get ironed out and you get the sweetest jump possible. Right. OK. Uh, obviously, a lot of that, uh, a lot of that sometimes unwarranted. Um, I've seen people give good advice. I've seen people give bad advice. I've given good advice at the time that maybe my opinion changed as a... Well, well here, here's, here's something that I have to say. So you said like, okay, that advice is unwarranted and maybe so. But I'm going to throw an idea out there. One, if you post your videos on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you've put your video out in a public forum. This is not private, right? So... Kind of like, you don't know what's going to happen. Oh, like, yeah. recently even, um, I posted a video of one of my, my young athletes. Um, she's in eighth grade, weighs 95 pounds, deadlifting. She deadlifts 200 pounds. And some yo-yo, like, commented, like, 
oh, you're going to kill her back with that. I didn't even like dignify that with a response because whatever, but you're going to get that. I mean, you're putting video out or you're putting content out in, in a public forum. There's going to be opinions, no? Right? Oh, yeah. Unless you, you know, block comments on a video, you're going to get comments, whether you want them or not, whether you want, whether they're positive or negative, you're going to get them. Uh, right. You know, I think it's just a matter of taking them in stride and accepting them uh, for what they are. Me, when I used to post videos when I was jumping consistently, I have a YouTube channel, and uh, I used to welcome positive, negative comments, whatever it was. I was always trying to learn whatever I could. Whether someone gave me good advice or bad advice, I always tried to look at my jump from that perspective and say, all right, well, what if we did try that? What if, you know, maybe I tweaked that based on a suggestion? Well, that might work in this department, but not work for something else I do. And, you know, I just try to read through everything without taking it too seriously, but without also uh, missing out on something. Exactly. I mean, do you have like a, like a concrete example of what you're saying? Like maybe, maybe you can tell us about a particular jump or something or a comment that you received from someone that maybe it did impact your career or something. Maybe that is an example of something that you ignored. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, I remember very, very specific. The first one that comes to mind, this was back when I think I was like a 13, 13, six pole vaulter. I think we were, you know, we we're trying to break through that 14 foot barrier uh, I think I was a junior, senior in high school, and uh, I was taken off really far out. I was mm. taken off really far out. I was dropping my uh, drive knee. Right, okay. And I guess at the time, I was, wasn't knowledgeable enough to really catch those things. I hadn't been coaching at the time. I wasn't yeah, looking yeah. at all these jumps. Right, 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 right. And I think it was, it was Kirk Bird. He was, uh, he was a big guy in the pole vault power forums back in the day. And he's like, yeah, man, I, you know, you're a little far out. Therefore, you know, you're jumping up and you're, you're sinking down a little bit on the pole. Right, yeah, and yeah, yeah. as you're sinking down, you're dropping that knee. So, all right. right, to stay behind the pole. Exactly. Yeah. Hips are coming forward and you just can't put the jump together. At that point, you just got to tuck and muscle and hope for the best. So I, I, I took that advice. I said, you know, he's right. I'm out. I'm, I'm, sl I'm slinking on the pole. Let's move the step up a little bit. Really focus on keeping that drive knee up. And you know what? I think we jumped. 14 feet at least in practice like the following week or two weeks later okay. or something like that and i think nice. that that led to me successfully well, breaking that barrier right. and, and that's that's a great example of how like you know posting video on the internet or something that that could help out you know that was something that you didn't see maybe your coach wasn't catching yeah you know i mean recently somebody told me they're like look sometimes you're, you're coaching the same kid for months on end and and it's just because you're always there you don't notice something oh yeah you know what i mean and, and another eye might help Oh, absolutely. Sometimes I think, you, especially when you're coaching the same athlete all the time, you're kind of certain things are just they're there, and I think you kind of accept them, and you say, "All right, well, that's, yeah. just, that's just this athlete's style. I'm gonna not worry about that right now. We're gonna focus on you know what we have in our, our book for this week or this month right. or whatever this right. cycle is." And as a result, yeah, you kind of miss what's right in front of you. Right. Um, and I know my coach at the time apparently was it wasn't i think it wasn't even something we discussed mm -hmm. and then uh you know fortunately i got that that advice from online and it really paid off i think i had a i ended up having a very very good season after that yeah well and, and that's awesome now something that i'll bring up now again going back to like posting stuff online and and i know like look i definitely think uh there's a way to go about things and i know you've gotten into some spats or oh, yeah. arguments oh, with yeah. certain uh, vaulters over the years and and maybe you have gone too far um and, I, and i'll ask you to maybe give an example of that but what i would say is also the higher you jump i'm sorry to say but there's gonna be a lot more opinions oh yeah right like if if you're like a high school girl jumping nine or a high school boy jumping 12 there's not gonna be a lot lot out there for you 
people give actually constructive criticism that might help and tell you to jump up or plant earlier or something yeah, like that. Yeah. But if you're like one of these elite people, let's face it. I mean, let's look at a different sport. If we look at the NBA, guess what? Everybody knows what LeBron James needs to do to become the world's best basketball player ever, right? Like everybody oh, yeah. can solve LeBron James's problem. Everyone's got an opinion. All LeBron has to do is just listen, right? Now, I mean, now, here's the thing. That's the thing. When you're a high-profile athlete, that's to be expected. Everyone is going to have an opinion. Oh, yeah. And I was just talking to you about you know, a meet that I went to where someone saw one of my athletes that was pretty successful, and, of course, they had an opinion for us. That doesn't mean you have to listen to it, but I think people have to learn how to not let that get under their skin. You know what I mean? That, oh, yeah. that comes with the territory, I feel. Oh, you know? yeah. Um, so can you give us an example of maybe one time that you feel that you've crossed the line? Well, cross the line, that's a, that's a very loose term. Very, <laughs> very vague there. Um, so I think one that comes to mind is a, a much, more, much more recent spat, okay. I'll say. Okay. I think I made a very good point for many years. I'd say years to not really comment other than, oh, you know, that's great, great jump. All right. Yeah. I didn't really give any technical criticism for, for quite some time because, you know, I felt it wasn't really my place. I'm this athlete's coach. Right, right, right. But every once in a while, I'll feel compelled. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And uh, one time uh, recently, what was this? Uh, I think November 16, something like that. So th just this past November, okay. Yeah, past November, um, I saw a, a vaulter that I had been following. Uh, I mean, you could just say it. It's not a big deal. Was, uh, what's his name? Sh Sean Young. Sean, Sean Young. Young. Camouflage pole vaulter, as, as I call him. Um, I think I, I think I jumped uh, at I was at a meet with Sean one time I think in uh, Knoxville Tennessee watched him jump. Um, I mean I, look I I've seen Sean jump um, and a funny story. So the one year at Jersey Jumps Beach Ball Sean Young came down right. Oh yeah. And like you said he's all in camo he's got a beard <laughs> hair long hair and just like me I got long hair and a beard and um, so my my some of my club athletes were coming to watch me I was jumping in the masters section. At the same time as Sean. Now, just so everybody knows, my PR is only 14. It's not that big a deal. But the kids were coming to watch me, to support me. And one of my kids is walking down the boardwalk, and, and they see this guy in camo, and they're like, wow, Bronco gets really serious for these meets. <laughs> <laughs> they thought because so, you had a beard at the time? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I thought that was pretty cool that I got mistaken for Sean Young. That was, <laughs> that was pretty nice. I felt good about myself. Um, I think I know I did that day personally, though. Oh, uh, that's a shame. But anyway, but yeah, I, I've seen Sean jump. I think there's some good stuff going on there. But so what, what happened between you and Sean? Um, so... I remember, I remember about, I think, a, a year or two prior, had to be, I think I saw him, he posted something on Facebook, and he posted a good, you know, positive video, he was, you know, I started, real, I started realizing maybe I can get some work done on some small poles, lower grip, really work technique, and I was like, man, that's great. Yeah, that, that, um, that's always a good way to go, I mean, sometimes yeah. you got to bring it in, because you're not going to correct huge flaws from a long approach. Yeah, no, absolutely. I thought that was great. Fast forward two years that's you know two indoor two outdoor season uh seasons and i think uh, i think one of his videos popped up on my youtube i think I've, I've been following you know i have a bunch of pole boulders i follow i think i was following for years at that point and i was like oh let's see what see what the guy's doing now these days and um sure enough same jump nuts changed flat takeoff over grip stuff okay. like that mm -hmm. be, not to be too dissenting critical, yeah yeah that'd be too critical and um I think I made a comment. I was like, man, I thought, uh... now I'll admit, 
This was a little uh, little jab. I'm not okay. even going to deny that. I think okay. I said, oh, man, I thought you were done with uh, over-gripping on these big poles. Well, that's when all hell broke loose. So that one comment, what was the response? Um, oh, man. Uh, I think he said, I thought you were done commenting on my videos. Uh, I didn't really get that comment, but I was like, no, man. I think I had something sly to say to that. And I was like, no, man, still here. <laughs> and uh the next thing i know i think i think then he questioned my pr i think he said he jumped my, my pr from like a two or something which that's actually kind of ridiculous because you know what like that in that following that logic that means that up to, to coach a world record athlete you can you can't do it right if you have to be a high pole vaulter to coach a high pole vaulter if you can't coach to say you can't coach All right, someone so so you <laughs> you you bring up a good point and i mean i think the last i heard i think Vitaly petrov only jumped like 13 14 feet yeah, i'm not even like 100% that. sure that, that's what i heard too but it's not anything incredibly high and he's obviously coached bubka and he coached this past year's olympic champion yeah. da silva um you know and is in Baeva for the time being um yeah, I don't think you have to jump super high to coach a, a good athlete. I think, obviously, like, going through maybe some training and stuff oh, yeah. definitely gets you to understand things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, I don't think, like you said, you don't have to be an expert. The other thing that I would say, and we were talking about this earlier, is if you think about pole vaulting, I mean, pole vaulting has so much skill involvement, right? No, I mean, no. obviously, you have to be a stud athlete to jump some of the higher bars, but there's so much skill. It almost to me, like I think about another sport like mixed martial arts, right? They have a belt system. Oh, yeah. Now, just because you're a black belt, that a black belt signifies you are a master at, at that art, mm -hmm. okay, that martial art, whatever it may be. But that doesn't mean you're going to be a world champion fighter. Oh, of course. Not. And on the flip side, there's plenty of world champion fighters who don't yet have their black belt. They have not mastered their craft yet. Mm -hmm. So I, I think definitely in the pole vault, you, you see people who, you know, have definitely mastered the craft. They're just not stud athletes. Who was the guy, remember there was like that, wasn't there a vaulter like 5'4", five, 5'6", five, something like that? He jumped like about 18. Brian Hancock. Right. I mean, Old talk about great, great jump. I thought, so, talk about being skillful. So you know? Brian, Brian was 5'3", I believe, and I think he weighed about 130, 135 wow. pounds. Wow, wow. And uh, what was his lifetime best? I know it was close to 18. It so, wasn't, so was it just I, under? I, I think in college, I think he jumped 540 a few times. So 17, 8. And yeah. I, think, I think maybe he had one, one post-collegiate meet of 545 or something like that. Okay. Um, man, that guy's a bottle rocket. Yeah, and he was on 15s, right? I believe so. I think he, he's jumped 17 plus on 14 foot poles. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. People, you know, I love saying. So talk, talk about black belt. I mean, if that yeah. guy's not a black belt, I mean, I don't know who is, right? Like that, oh, yeah. that to me, he's mastered the skill, but you're just talking about a guy that's undersized, yeah. you know, probably doesn't have the same runway speed as the guys jumping 19 feet. You know what I mean? And, and think about this too, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm going to go back to the mixed martial arts uh, example, like if you think about the UFC, almost, right? You could have weight classes, right? Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, like, yeah. like a 125-pound fighter cannot fight a heavyweight. I'm really sorry, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, sometimes, and this, and Renault is, I think, our freak, right? Yeah. Because Renault's oh, a yeah. little bit undersized, but he's a 20-foot jumper, right? Yeah. Well, sometimes you have the rare case, like a Conor McGregor, who could be champ at 145, 155, and fight 170, you know, or like in boxing, Roy Jones Jr. was not a heavyweight, but he could jump up to the heavyweights and beat a few guys because he's so athletic. 
But still, size does matter, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think for someone going back to Brian, I think his limiting factor was, was his height. I mean, yeah. he, he made up for it. He would jump up wonderfully at takeoff, like a yeah. long jumper. In so it. jumping up at takeoff is important. Then. It's a really important thing <laughs> that I never could do. <laughs> yeah, Joe's a little flat at takeoff. A little flat. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and it's actually funny because you actually know, size matters. I feel like there's boulders like, you know, like, uh, like Brian that really kind of throw that into question. Uh, even go back a few years, uh, Greg Duplantis, who's yeah, his son yeah. right now, is just tearing it up, up yeah. tearing it up. Um, but yeah, so look, I, at the point we were trying to make, I see you got lost a little bit in the thought process. Point we're trying to make is like there's there's definitely skill level, and that doesn't necessarily equate to PR. Like you can have people that are like kind of black belts in the skill of pole vault, but maybe just not have the athleticism to produce world-leading marks, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so now bring us back, you and Sean are so, a little bit in argument. Uh, yeah, so we got a little little tizzy on fa- on uh, YouTube, and you know, I think he brought up my PR. I was like, you know what? He's got me. His PR is a lot higher than mine. I'm not really going to be able to defend that too well. So I kind of let it go. Well, I think it was about an hour or two later, start getting emails from people. Hey, man. Uh, you hear what Sean Young did? Like, no, what what happened? I was like, I was like, how could people find out about this comment I left on YouTube? People, must, he must have a lot of followers, right? Well, apparently, he had screenshot the, the argument on YouTube and posted on Facebook, <laughs> which I gotta say is hilarious because yeah, yeah, you know, for, for he wears a lot of camo for being such a delicate snowflake. Oh my goodness, Joe, come on, relax. All right, listen, Sean. First of all. I just want you to know, this is not my opinion. Joe just said that. I can't control what this guy says. Go ahead. Uh, Maybe so I sh- Should he really announce? Maybe he shouldn't announce. <laughs> I don't know. Go, go ahead, Joe. I'll be nicer for the children. Um, but yeah, that was, that was that. So he posted that on uh, Facebook. And of course, you got a lot of comments from people that, eh, it doesn't really matter. People that are on, friends of Sean, they're on his side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's whatever. I didn't really read through a lot of them. I, I got the, the highlights from a couple of my friends that saw it. Look yeah, yeah. But then I started getting hate mail about it, which I thought was really, really? yeah. No, I actually started hate mail. Okay. Started getting hate mail from a few few athletes, uh, which I thought was wildly entertaining, actually. Well, you know, and, and and so I think through this explanation, we bring up a couple things. One, I would definitely tell anybody who's a high profile athlete that you have you have to have thick skin because oh, yeah. the the better you are, the more opinions that are going to be out there, and and you have to just look. If you have full faith in what you're doing, dude, keep on pushing along, you know? And I, I would even add that a lot of times, I, I know it's the same with some kids or some athletes that I coach, where you, let's say Joe or whoever might see them and say, hey, you know, that kid's got a late plant or that kid has to jump up or whatever the case may be. And we might be working on that and it's just not working out right now. Yeah. So look, you got to have a little bit thicker skin. The other thing that I would add is clearly from this conversation you're hearing that Joe got a kick out of this. So if you thought you made him <laughs> upset, that's not going to work. Like, in fact, anytime you give someone credit, like I, going back to the comment that I got, right? I post this young girl, does a 200-pound deadlift. I'm so proud of her. She busts her butt. And uh, this guy posts that comment like, oh, you're going to kill her back. And I was thinking about commenting back. But I literally knew, I'm like, if I comment back, I'm going to get in a, like, comment war with this guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's just going to, he's going to get a rise out of it, you yeah. know? Oh, Even yeah. though my, you know what I was going to say back? I was like, don't get upset that a middle school girl lifts more than you. Yeah, That's yeah. what I was going to say. You'd be surprised. But, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so, I mean, look, I, I think, too, it's like, look, is, is really, are, 
is track and field at the point where it's like we just we're not going to criticize one another. Everybody's perfect. Everybody's trying their best. That's all we care about. Because the thing that I feel like is tough, and you know, we had Katarina Stefaniti on, we've had Katie Najat on, we've had uh, you know Jim B. Miller, coach Tim Mack, Olympic champion, Roman Bacharnikov, who's coach Lojo. Like we have a lot of people on, and like one of the problems that everybody talks about is like how track is just not as popular as it should be, and, mm. we, and we're losing the sport. And the thing is. I'm telling you right now, everybody's so pumped up, uh, pumped up about August 26th. Guarantee everybody listening to this is going to know what I'm talking about. Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather. Oh, yeah. Well, I want to know, how many people would be excited to watch that fight if Conor was like, I have so much respect for Floyd, <laughs> and Floyd's like, oh, Conor's a great guy. and No, no his fighting technique is good, and, and his fighting technique is good, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, nobody would want to watch that. No, we is. want to watch it because they're, they're ready to tear their heads off. Without a doubt, it is the showmanship. Of these two, two we're, we're highly regarded as two of the biggest trash talkers in sports history, period. Right, right. Uh, I mean, it is that showmanship it, between them that is selling this fight. Right. Even, even Ronda Rousey, you know what I mean? When she was at top, she would trash talk all the girls she fought. Oh, yeah. And then if you think about even other sports like the NFL, oh, my God, the teams are trashing each other. You know, there's a rivalry there. I want to watch a rivalry. Yeah. Like, oh, I, yeah. I feel like a lot of times, like, I'm, I'm checking out the Instagram, you know, the, I can't believe I just said the Instagram, like <laughs> an old man. Um, checking out Instagram, and it's like, everybody seems to be best friends. Dude, you are competing against one another. Yeah. I even told one of my athletes, I was like, listen, somebody comes up to you and they're being too nice. One, they're probably trying to throw you off your game. But two, you need to be like, we're not friends, bro. Oh, yeah. I mean, after the competition, hey, shake hands. After the competition, you want to grab food? Great. But, dude, we're all fighting for the same spots, right? Oh, yeah. I, I got caught to meet one time. You were, you were my coach at this point. This was uh, 2000. Yeah, I did, I did coach Joe for a little while. Yeah. I think it took a few years off my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, 2014 ECA, outdoor ECAC, 2013 maybe? It was probably 13. 13 outdoor 13. ECAC. So, man, you know what? I didn't have a good meet. Anyone know why it was? I, I spent too much time just shoot uh, shooting the – Shooting the shit, you can say. I was shooting the shit with a guy I knew in high school, another pole vaulter. I hadn't seen this guy in a while. We were talking. You know what? I missed some valuable time in warm-ups. Ended up not having a good meet. So, yeah, there needs to be that rivalry. You now, can't be too friendly now, with people. Now, wait, Joe. Are you trying to make me blush? I am. Are man, you telling you know, me I was right? I'm trying to make up to you for all the years <laughs> that I took off your life. I got to make those last few. Oh, uh, man. No, but I, I, remember, I remember that meet. I remember that meet, and I remember one time even saying to a group of guys at Princeton, I don't know if you were at this particular meet, um, but I was like, guys, is it family reunion time? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> I know you haven't seen these people in a year, but, like, we came to Princeton for a reason. We're trying, we're trying to compete. We're trying to win. We're trying to PR, you what? know? And it's like, you are over here, like, BSing with people. Like, let's go. Get, get, get your game face on, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's important, you yeah. know? It's oh, like, yeah. look, if I'm too mushy and friendly with you, I'm not focused on what I need to do on the runway to d get the job done. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And, and look, we, we can say whatever we want, but the crowd's going to be more excited when they see people competing and trying to win. Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought this summer oh, yeah. in Rio oh, yeah. with Verno and Da Silva, give me, that's competition. Yeah, that, that was one of the most exciting you know, showdowns I've seen ever. Right, and, and here's the thing. To see the reaction on Renault's face when oh, yeah. he's behind, oh, yeah. 
because it quickly changed because the meat started out it was like sam da silva did, uh Renault. they're you all like kind of high five and hugging oh yeah but that moment happened and it was like no more oh yeah no more fun time did he go through the, the olympic record clean maybe he had one miss at that point when he jumped yes you know, I think yes was, he was clean he was clean yeah, yeah. and he was oh I'm, I'm gonna be smiling soon as yeah. soon as he went over 603 it was oh no yeah, as yeah. soon as the silver made that 603 bar, now it's like, yeah. now it's serious, but too late to be serious. It's too late. It's too late to be serious. Because I'll even go back uh, to 97, the world championships with Bupka. Oh, yeah. Tarasov. Right? Maxim Tarasov is supposed to win. Bupka has been, you know, battling an Achilles injury from the year before. And nobody thinks Bupka has a chance, right? And it's so funny. I would always show that video in my early years coaching to the kids. Mm -hmm. And Maxim Tarasov, I forget what he clears. The whatever bar was under 597. And he goes nuts. He's running to the crowd. He's cheering. And it was like, he was behaving as if he just won the meet. Yeah. Wait a second. You're going against Bupka. The guy looks good today. I mean, he cleared 18.8 sideways. By like a foot and a yeah. half. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... He, his PR is 6.15. Six like, yeah. um, it hello. It like, it's not over. And then what happens? Bupka clears 6.01, blows it up. Yeah. No reaction. Yeah. That was the best. No reaction. He's the ice man. He's, like, ready to go on the next bar. I'm like, people need to know it's serious, man. We're competing out there. This yeah. is not fun in games, you know? Oh, yeah. There has to be, well, I'll say a healthy amount of competition. Yes, so. yes. I mean, yes, we're not, this is not the UFC, it's not boxing, yeah. <laughs> we should hit each other, but, but you're competing against one another, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, I, I, I've been sometimes in these situations and stuff like that where we know our competitors, we're friendly, we're friendly, we may, may get food every once in a while, oh, yeah. but we're going to the meet. If I see my kid BSing with somebody, I say, hey, come here, what are you doing? I actually, at my state meet, just this past uh, year, outdoors. My one guy jumped 14-2. He's one of the better guys in the state. And he was, he was having a little bit of a rough day, being too friendly with people. I pulled him aside. I said, hey, listen, right now, right now, these people are not your friends. They're not your friends. Afterwards, you want to shake hands? You want to talk to them afterwards? That's fine. But right now, you're here to compete. Oh, yeah. I, Unfortunately, I, I think I got the message to him too late. He only went 13-6 that day. It, it might have been one of, the, one of the only athletes... I mean, I see it. I see it now. I think I see a lot of eh, positive stuff on social media. But all the athletes, it's such good camaraderie, and there always has been pole vaulters, right? But right, I think right. one of the only athletes that ever really truly got it was Yelena Isambayeva. Wow! And she used to get a lot of flack for that. I remember she used to kind of uh, canopy herself, yeah, in her warm up yeah. stuff. And people used to say, "Oh, she doesn't want to be anybody's friend. She doesn't want to be all chummy." You know what? How many world records? How many Olympic gold medals? Right. Right, she she she's driven. She got she's it. Driven. She she and, got it. And even her first Olympic championship and first world record, I mean, I always kind of feel bad. Like Svetlana Feofanova is almost the forgotten woman of pole. Oh pool. yeah. First sixteen footer, right? Oh, yeah. First one goes into that Olympics. She's supposed to win, and you know, Yelena falls behind. Right, she's in fourth place. She's mm -hmm. got to pass a couple bars, but then snatches the lead from her and then breaks the world record. But the best part, there was, I remember watching the video, and, and uh, I'm going to make a shout-out to Sean Brown, uh, Neo Vault. Oh, yeah. he, made, he, he put out the video. I bought it. You see Yelena and Svetlana walk by one another. They're both Russians. Yeah. They're teammates. Yeah. They walk by each other without looking at each oh, other. Oh, yeah. You knew. It was like, these two girls are not friends. And, man, it was just amazing drama to watch. And, 
And that's the thing that makes sport amazing. And I'm, I'm going to bring up another thing. I forget if I brought this up in Stefanidi's uh, podcast. But what do you think about this? I think, personally, track has the wrong kind of business model. They're trying to sell people on world records. Mm. How often do world records happen, Joe? Not very often. Yeah, not very Especially often. Especially not lately. But what do we have at every single track meet? A winner. A winner and a loser. Oh, yeah. That's what you need to sell. You need to sell competition because that's why everybody's coming out. You know what I mean? Everybody's coming out to watch a competition. But we try to make it a show, and then if that trick doesn't happen, right? Like mm-hmm. imagine going to a dog show, and, and dogs don't get do the tricks. They can't play fetch, or they're not good at that kind of stuff. Well, you're not going to want to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Where you're selling a trick, that's not going to happen all the time. I'm not going to see a world record every time. What they should be selling is the competition. I mean, heck, I'll even go back to the 100 meters this past summer. Usain Bolt versus Justin Gatlin, that was exciting. I couldn't wait to see those two guys compete. But you know what? The winning time was 9.81 from Usain Bolt. This is a man that holds the world record at 9.58. And then Justin Gatlin, his PR is like low 9.7s or high 9.6s. So definitely a winnable race for Justin Gatlin. Now, track, we all like to just talk about numbers all the time. But wait a second. Why did Usain Bolt had a bad day? Why didn't Justin beat him? Nobody discussed the competitive aspect of it. Usain Bolt won. I would say he was worried about a false start because that's the only time oh, yeah. he's ever lost a big race is a false start. So he came out yeah. a little bit slow. And Justin Gatlin was so afraid of Usain Bolt's speed that he busted out of the blocks way too hard yeah. and lost it three-quarters of the way through the race. Yeah. yeah, he couldn't hold it. And it's like nobody even talked about that drama. That's what made that race so, so exciting. Yeah, and I think I think if you're only really a, like a diehard track fan, you could really see that right. and appreciate it because it wasn't mentioned. I, th- I think if they would have highlighted a lot more, you would get a lot of those people. You, you know the people I'm talking about, the ones that show up and they they're all all of a sudden they're they're fanatical about uh, swim swimming, right? For you know two weeks out of the four year period, right, right, right. right. You know if, if track sell itself on the competition a little bit better, you'd have the same thing. Well, right, and th- and that's why too I am having you announce the Northeast Pole Vault Club Championships because I think you know you definitely have an eye for pole vault. And, uh, you know, again, I know there's might be some people that maybe disagree with me, but you have an eye for pole vault, And I think you can educate the people who are watching the event in what happens. Like, what's a blow through? Like, people don't even realize, like, okay, like me and you are like pole vault nerds, basically. Yeah. We know what all this stuff is. I mean, I coach a club, so obviously I know. But yeah. it's like, you know, we know what a blow through is. Most people don't. Yeah. Most people don't know what a blow through is. Yeah, and I Most see- people don't understand the standard adjustments, you know? I see a lot lately, a lot of people don't know the difference, people, pole vaulters, coaches, don't know the difference between, say, a blow-through where, you know, maybe someone's on too soft of a pole, or else maybe they're gripping too high on too soft of a pole, and maybe there's too much pole speed, which maybe come from they're gripping too low on a, on okay. a, on a particular yep. jump. Yes. And you're thinking, all right, I got to go to a stiffer pole. No, 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 no. You don't you have to go need, to a stiffer pole. You need to go up grip. There's yeah. a time and a place for each of those corrections. Joe always thought he needed to go up grip. I that did. was the only adjustment he ever I thought. I think that was it. I'm I, pretty sure he's landed in the box and popped up and was like, I think the problem is more, more, I need more grip. More cowbell, at the very least. <laughs> no, I, I think if you would have got me like a, like a 16, 105, maybe grip. That might have worked. 15, 8 or yeah, something like that. that might have worked. We would have had a. You know, at least 14. Yeah, at least 14, <laughs> well, 1, I think. I would have jumped. But, yeah. but going back to what we're saying, yeah, and. I even think like something that fans could get educated on is like stuff like min marks. Like how cool is that? It's like, wow, did you see that guy just hit a 51? That was a big blow through. You know, hopefully they go up a pole, you know, and I even, you know, we have a wireless mic. So you're going to be able to go up to coaches and be like, hey, like 
look like a blow through. What adjustment are you making, coach? Oh, yeah. So that the fans get an insight as to what adjustments are made. I mean, look, I'm going to give you another analogy. NASCAR, right? Mm. After each jump, we're basically taking a pit stop. Mm. And in NASCAR, we actually get to find out what adjustments they're making to the car. Oh, yeah. Are you getting four tires? Are you filling up the gas tank? Are you putting wedge in? Are you taking wedge out? You're, we're learning all these adjustments. When people are at track meet, they don't know about any of the adjustments being made. Yeah. I mean, it just makes it more exciting. Like, imagine as a fan, if you knew, it's like, okay, Renault just blew through. They're going up five pounds. Let's oh, see yeah. if it's the right move. Oh, yeah. Or, oh, no, they're not going up five pounds. What's going to happen now? You, you know what I mean? I've, I've seen, I mean, it's, it's, I think, much easier to, to notice if you've been around it enough on the higher end. But, like, I know when Renaud clears a big bar, when Renaud clears a big bar, and maybe he lands at the back of the coach's box on the pit, I know he's going up pole. I, I've been watching him long enough where I know. Yeah, you know what's happening and in the And it's like, well, you know what? That was a big pole. You know, you put in bars around six meters. You know he's on one of the biggest poles in his bag or up there. Right, right, So right. for me, it makes it that much more exciting where it's like, oh, man, he's going up pole. Is he going to clear it? Is he going to get stood up? Or is he, right, he going to come right. down on it? He's had a few few pretty big crashes in his career. Not well, that I ever hoped for that. I never no, 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 I no. want nothing more than success for all these athletes, no matter who you are. Right. But it, it does add that little bit of intensity as a spectator. Oh man, this is gonna be this is gonna be big. Yeah. You know? Well and, and think about that. Imagine as a fan you you hearing an announcer who's like, hey, you know, whoever it is, let's say De Silva. De Silva is already on the biggest pole in his bag. We're only at five eighty. Oh yeah. You know, what's his next move? What is he yeah. gonna do? That's exciting. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I think, I think something uh, probably more people be able to relate is baseball pitching. Right. I mean, how many times you, if you're watching, if it's really come down to a, a low-scoring pitcher's battle, you're saying, oh, man, what's he going to throw next? He just threw that fastball. Is he going to throw the sliders? Is he going to throw a curve? What's he going to – Right. Like, I mean, and, and so people play a little armchair quarterback yeah, kind of you know, absolutely. deal. And I, that's what you need. That's why people get excited about sport. It's not just the mark, right? Yeah. Like. Most people probably don't even know what Conor McGregor's win-loss record is, but they know the drama that unfolds. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? When he fights, you know? Uh, it, it, these are just things that I think could help the sport immensely. Absolutely. And, and that's why, again, you know, even kind of going back to you commenting on people's, um, you know, videos on, on whether it's Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, you know, I'm not saying everything you've ever done is right. Oh, absolutely not. Of course not. Um, no one's but. But what I am saying is, look, that's part of it, right? Like, if our sport starts getting more exciting, like, I want people to understand something. Like, you know, it's crazy. You look at the numbers. On Instagram, some of our best vaulters in the world currently only have 20,000, 30,000 followers. At best. Right? Whereas, like, someone like Paige Van Sant, who is, like, a second or third tier UFC fighter, has over a million followers, mm. right? Yeah. Well, if our sport were to get more popular and you have a million followers, let me tell you, you're going to get criticism. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, there's yeah. always going to be someone who has a, a, a poor opinion. You, you have to, one, the stuff that doesn't matter, you have to not listen to it. But I think, like you said, too, sometimes someone might have a good comment oh, yeah. that might change things. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've gotten some apps. I've, gotten, I've had people tear my vault apart. Rightfully so. Yeah, yeah. I'm not by any means a perfect technician. Yeah. Um, there's some things I do okay. I would do maybe better than others. But, oh, man, I've gotten some really horrible reviews for my jump. But you know what? I wanted that. Whether right. it was good technical advice or not, it made me want to be that much better. Right. And, you know, strive to, all right, you know what? As much as, you know, that, that, that comment might have hurt a little, he's right. You know, he's right. 
I did that's not good. I'm gonna yeah. start. I'm gonna maybe work on this a little bit. Right, right, right. Um, on the flip side, I will say something that was pointed out to me: Jeff Cougar. Okay, he's been he's been in the cut for a lo- many years, and he's he's a good guy. Yeah, I, I've known, I've talked to him a bunch of times. Good guy. He pointed out to me something that I think is a very say teachable moment. Right. He said, "Hey, man, you know, it's all right to you know leave criticism and stuff like that, but every once in a while you have to realize there might be something that this person has been working on." And maybe it's just not working for them. My take, my for me, perfect. My my takeoff's perfect example. I spent years and years trying to have a real uppity, bouncy takeoff. But you know what? Tears in my Achilles over the over the years. It, it's not really a yeah, yeah. a real realistic thing for me. So I'm going to pop up off that toe as hard as I possibly can to take off. It's like you know what? I'm because of these injuries. I'm going to be a little flat. Mm-hmm. And I get what he's saying. I 100% get what he's saying. And that's why. I think it is, no matter if you are leaving a comment, whether it's, you know, a good, positive comment, negative comment, try to be nice about it. Try to, try to, try right, to put paint right. in a positive light. Well, right. I mean, I, I think definitely, like, you know, people should always try to be polite. Um, again, my angle, though, is if the sport is going to get popular, that's what we want. We want people excited, leaving comments, being opinionated, because opinionated people will pay money to go watch you. Oh yeah, and they make the you best, know they make the best the, memes. Too. Yeah, they, they do make funny memes. Uh, but but the thing is, like people who are not opinionated about the sport, they're not gonna come out to watch you. Yeah, you I'm know, not get that excited about it. Yeah, like uh, come on, like you know, you have you have to have people with opinions. I mean, you look at sometimes like I feel like it's like a little crazy. I mean, heck, heck, the term fan comes from it, fanatical, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like you look at some like NFL fans or baseball fans, like. They literally live or die with their team, and yeah. they say awful things about people when they're <laughs> yeah, not winning. Yeah. You know, um, so that that happens. But it's like for our sport to grow, we want more opinionated people. You know, it's like I, I don't, I don't really care for everybody to just be high fiving and smiling at one another. Like clearly, not everyone has a perfect jump. Clearly, not everyone trains awesome. You know what I mean? There's got there's got to be some gaps, and I'm going to use a non-pobal example. Hopefully, people don't get offended, but it's very interesting. I know, like in Australia, right? They have two very good hurdlers, uh, Michelle Jenicky. I hope I'm pronouncing her name right, and Sally Pearson, right? Mm-hmm. One Michelle Jenicky, talking about Instagram followers, oh, yeah. has like a million followers. She's like this cutesy girl. She does this like bouncy little dance on the starting blocks before she gets down for for the runners to mark position. It's my phone background, and um. Look, I think she's a great natural talent, you know, and I don't really know much about her training, but she did recently post like, I think, clean and jerk or something on mm. her Instagram, literally like it was baby weight. And in fact, one of the comments was do more weight. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's like, this is not a girl that's like grinding away. Whereas Sally Pearson is an animal. I mean, that girl, you look at her training videos, that girl is training hard all day, every day. And she has way more accolades. Mm. She has medals from Worlds and Olympics. She's actually broken through and, and done some really amazing stuff. Whereas Michelle Jenicky is like on the cusp. Yeah. But Sally Pearson only has like 200,000 followers. Yeah, you know, after all, like well, after all the hubbub, I was really surprised when Jenicky wasn't on the podium after the Olympics. Yeah. I, I really, because I didn't know anything about hurdling. I didn't right, follow it. Right, right, right. And I just assumed, oh, she must, oh, she she must, must be really good. Girls. Yeah. She must be really good. Didn't turn out that way. Yeah, so, I mean, like, there's, there's two things going on in that situation that I want to kind of uh, explain. One, for our sport to become popular, we need people following it. We need people to be opinionated. 
So maybe even a Sally Pearson, the criticism I might give Sally is she's got to put herself out there a little bit more, yeah. you know, and get more followers on Instagram, you know, like that's important. You know what I mean? Now, as far as Michelle Jenicky, maybe she needs to take her training more seriously. A little less Instagram, yeah. a little more gym time. You know, and what's what's interesting there, um, I just posted a, a picture today on, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, it's like, it's old, this idea that I have. I, I remember putting it up years ago. I think it was maybe, it might have been 2012, mm-hmm. the year before you came to Ramco. But, um, you know, what contributes to your performance? And I put, put like, basically in equations, genetics plus fitness plus technique equal performance. Oh, yeah. Right? Now, here's the thing. We can't really do much about our genetics, at least yet. Techno- Technology's getting better. Yeah. Technology's getting better. I'm crossing my fingers. Legally. But, but genetics are genetics, right? You can't do anything about it. But fitness, well, you can increase your fitness. And oh, yeah. I, I would borderline say slash strength, right? But oh, I, know, yeah. I know a lot of people don't really believe in heavy lifting because they think you'll get bulky. Yeah, I think that, ice cream gets you bulky, that, not, that, not that, barbells. That, that's a podcast for another time. Yeah, yeah. Don't want to get too far off yeah. on a tangent. But, and then technique, and that equals your performance. Well, here's someone like Michelle Jenicky, who I just honestly feel like she's an untapped, uh, you know, talent. You know, mm-hmm. she definitely has more there. And if she trained probably as hard as Sally Pearson, man, what could she do? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So that really goes to show you, you know, those two examples. Like, Sally's really squeezing it out. You know one, what I mean? One of the examples I heard from, uh, I would say, uh, was a former up-and-coming elite guy. I think it was a five, 545 pole vaulter. And I won't name any, any names, but he was discussing another college athlete at the time. And he said, quite simply, he goes, guy's a stud. He's, a, he's, a ni- he's built like a 19-footer, but he jumps like a 14-footer. And you get 17-8 out of that. And he's, <laughs> he's, absolutely, he's absolutely right. I, 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 without, I mean, if I jump like that, I'm a little, I think my whole Volker, you know, five, seven and a half, 130 pounds. I think I ran like a 12-second hundred. I think yeah. the only good thing I did is I did a lot of pull-ups. But um, if I jump like that, technically like that, I would never have jumped 12 feet, you know? I, well, it's cer- certainly not 15-7. You know, yeah, that's your lifetime best. Close. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have been a 15 footer. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, look, that's, that, that's a great example. You know what I mean? Something where it's like, you know, that's an example of someone who's not squeezing out as much as they can out of their potential, oh, you yeah. know? Um, just like I'm explaining with Michelle Jenicky and, and Sally Pearson as an example. Um, gosh, darn it. I had a good thought and, and then I, it slipped. It's connected to what you just said. And I can't remember. Uh, I was a really hard worker, but I had technical issues to work on. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to talk about Joe. Um, yeah. No. Um, but, you know, look, there's nothing wrong with that. I think this, is, this kind of discussion is really, really good for I the think, sport. I think this is healthy. I, I think this, this sort of discussion is very healthy. I think there's too many people uh, that are just too worried about stepping on people's toes, and they just assume, all right, that person's jumping 17-8. That's amazing, and, and unfortunately, in the U.S., that is pretty amazing right now. Um, you know, if you jump 17-8 in Europe after a few years, they say, oh, maybe you should go try long jump. Maybe you'd be good at that. But here in the U.S., you know, you got to get a regular job. Yeah, <laughs> but here you got too many 17-foot A guys, some of them that are, are genuinely like built like 19-foot Right, ball. yeah, they definitely have the potential. But they, they don't push it, but, but because they're jumping that 17-8, no one's going to say anything about that. They're just going to keep grinding along. Maybe, right. maybe they'll get that extra inch or two. 
And then it most more times than not never comes. Maybe maybe because that one jerk never said anything on his YouTube videos. Maybe <laughs> that's how, hey, that is how I justify it all. Joe is the hero. He's trying to save everyone. Be like <laughs> Joe Bro three ninety one. That's how uh, I sleep at night. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it's interesting you bring up like seventeen eight as a mark and stuff like that. And we were talking about this earlier as well. Yeah, yeah. Look, Hall of Fame legend. Okay, we can talk about what mark that is. I, I would assume for guys it's definitely six meters. Yeah. But but to be considered elite, what is elite? That's really tough. Yeah, because here's my thing. If you are a guy that's jumping 17 plus or you're a girl jumping 14 plus, there are not that many humans on the planet doing that. Oh, right absolutely now. not. Yeah. So I think that's pretty good. I think, go, going back to track and, and, a, and a bigger problem with track, I think I had something to say about track before. It's going to come to me through this. But... Uh, a bigger problem for track is like, think about this. In there's about 1,500 pole vaulters in college, division one through three, right? In each gender. Yeah. Of that, I think something like one or two percent actually go to USA's. And this is just in America. I'm only talking about America. Right? Yeah, yeah. We have the we have all stats. What is the incentive for those people to keep jumping? So you finish college, and let's say you're not one of the lucky one or two percent. Mm. Why would you keep jumping? There's not enough incentive and not enough yeah. competition out there for people to want to continue. There's definitely I mean, not enough money. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, even before, you were talking about, uh, you, you heard something like Sam Kendrick saying 10000 per win yeah, at think, Diamond I, League I think or something the diamond, like that. Diamond League win about ten when, grand. When I told Katarina that in CrossFit, if you win the CrossFit National Championship, you get $250,000, her eyes lit up. Is it really that much? Yes, it is. It looks alright. Katarina is the now, last time I checked. Katarina is now out of this coming world championship. She is now pursuing a career <laughs> in CrossFit. In CrossFit. Um, that, that's just that he's joking. <laughs> She's not really doing that. Um, but how crazy is that? You know, and yeah. again, looking at other sports as an example, I think the CrossFit model of having regional cha championships, then semifinals, and a national championship that provides people with more opportunities to compete. I mean, oh, if you, yeah. like, what I'm trying to do with this Northeast Pole Vault Club Championship, I mean, look, I could envision the whole country having regional meets, then a semifinal meet, and then a national meet. So now you have that where it's like, if you're a post-collegiate guy that's even jumping 16, you might be able to qualify to the semis, you know? Or oh, yeah. at least you know where you rank in your region and what you need to do next year to qualify for the semis and to qualify for national meet. You yeah, know, that's, that's exciting. You have a championship meet. And here's the other thing I'm going to throw out. The meet that I'm putting on, uh, we're actually going to charge spectators $10 to watch. And I had some people question me about it. They're like, oh, I don't know if you should do that, this and that. Well, where's prize money supposed to come from? Yeah. Oh, if yeah. you're not charging spectators, that means the prize money has got to come from registration fees. And let's face it, then, then the event is not lucrative. And Sean Francis actually recently brought this up in one of his vlogs, mm -hmm. which I was so happy. It's like if the event doesn't make money, it's not going to survive. Oh, yeah. You know, the event has to make money. And so if you don't charge spectators, there's not going to be prize money. Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, you, every other sport survives off spectators. Now, CrossFit, you got to pay $50 to go watch the regionals at the Meadowlands here yeah. in, oh, in yeah. our neck of the woods. I just went to a powerlifting meet, little, little, itty bitty powerlifting meet. Everybody had to pay $10 to watch. Crazy. Think about that Conor McGregor fight, Mayweather fight that's coming up. Oh, right. Okay. I mean, not to, not to mention, just to watch it on TV is going to be a hundred bucks. Right. But the tickets, I'm sure, to be there wherever it is, I can't can even imagine thousands of dollars. Yeah. 
But but point being is like that's what's necessary for our sport to grow. And if we yeah. provide opportunities for competition post collegiately for people, because yeah. that's the thing, you jump post collegiately. If you're not one of the lucky ones that makes the top 20, 24, whatever they take to USA's, yeah, yeah. you don't have a championship meet. You literally That's go it. to open meets or college meets. You jump probably your opening bar. Nobody's left. Put it to a PR. And yeah, that's it. and that's it. You don't have that championship, and there's no competition. And as we were saying before, competition drives performance. Competition drives uh, interest, you know? That's what's needed for our sport. And, and you know, kind of going back to originally, like you commenting on people's videos and stuff like that, you, you at certain parts of your life, were probably Polvold's biggest fan in America. Possibly. And, you know what I mean? And, th and the thing is, we need more of you, <laughs> you know, and less of the nice job people. Yeah, yeah, that, that gets a little old. I, I've had, I mean, everyone's had a, oh, that was really good. Thank you. That's not going to help me jump any higher. Right, right. Well, and here's the thing. There's nothing like a little bit of a debate. You oh, know, absolutely. A little bit of a debate. Something that I know we talked about when I approached you about announcing the meet is, hey, let's put it out there, right? We kind of talk about how there's two styles almost of pole vaulting. I mean, there's more than that. I mean, there, things are more nuanced than that. But there's a power vaulter, mm -hmm. right? Come down there, big bottom arm, really hit the takeoff and, and hope you cover in time. Yeah. And there's the finesse guys. Oh, yeah. Right? And girls. Finesse yeah, girls, of too. You know, finesse. You know, someone like a Brian Hancock that we mentioned before who on a little pole can just whoop, rip through he's that. A, he was yeah. a surgeon. Yeah. Right. So it's like we could talk about that battle. What's going to win today? Is it the power vaulter or is it the finesse vaulter? Yeah, because especially in these parts, I mean, I've been watching these uh, high school and the college guys in the area long enough to know there's always a handful of each of those. There's always right. the, there's always a one man. He hit that takeoff hard, and he cleared a good bar. And then there's that one, usually a smaller kid. Yeah, it's that, like butter. Yeah, even even if you're you don't know anything about pole vaulting, you watch that and you're like, man, that was smooth. I think you brought it up one time, Kurt Dunn. Uh, yeah, what was it was Pierre says seventeen three. Seventeen three. He was at a meet one time. I think he didn't jump particularly high, but the jump was so smooth. I think yeah. you told me I wasn't there. That you could hear the audience there when they're he, like, Ooh, even yeah. when his warm up jumps, when there wasn't a bungee, yep. I think it wasn't a bar bungee up, just people, wow, that is a nice looking jump. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I, absolutely. And uh, I definitely look forward to, to sharing that without making too many children cry. <laughs> definitely going to not, uh, definitely try to be as nice as possible. But uh, but no, I mean, look, that that's what I think our sport needs. We, we need people finding out more information, the more the in and outs of the sport. I oh, mean, yeah. every other sport, I mean, like, think about it. UFC, for example, I mean, look, I've never fought. I've never been in the octagon, but I know what a guillotine is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know what those leg locks and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I understand the sport enough. And I can watch a fight and be very, very intrigued as the whole thing goes uh, goes on. Oh, absolutely. I mean, in our sport, I mean, like, Katarina Stefaniti even says, she's like, sometimes I know the competitors in the vault. And she's like, I don't want to watch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, as a fan, it's like, it's boring, you know? And so it's like, it's got to be exciting. And here's the thing. Announcers get the crowd going. I mean, you being excited while you're announcing it. Yeah. And, like, when someone blows up a bar, you're like, whoa. Oh, what was that? I mean, a couple of years ago, I thought they did an awesome thing in Reno. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. They let Joe Dial commentate. And I yeah. think everyone got Made really excited. Yeah, everyone was really getting into it that day. Yeah. It was, it was way more fun. Way more fun. And, and 
that's the kind of stuff that we need for the sport. You know, I think one, we need more uh, venues to compete in, you know, more championship like meets, like something I'm proposing, like a pole vault club championship. Um, you know, that, that's what's necessary. And then we need announcers. We need people out there who are giving their opinion of pole vaulting so that people can kind of pick sides and yeah. be more enticed. I don't really remember the last time I heard a pole vault, a, a, an announcer, you know, really critique a jump. Usually, you know, you get Dwight Stone or someone and you're like, oh, you know, he didn't get his arms a little late in plant. Actually, I think that's really good yeah, when he and, dives and, yeah, in. Yeah, D- Dwight was probably the most yeah, technical. Absolutely. But, I mean, I've, I've heard some of these international broadcasts oh. when they got a British guy and it's like, oh, he's up and over. It, yeah. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I've heard some ridiculous stuff. Uh, I think it was the guy that did a NCAA like three years ago or something like that. I think he's like, well, I'm a triple jumper, but I'm going to be uh, commentating pole vault today. It was, it was a disaster. Yeah. And I mean, this guy's like, yeah, I don't, mm, I, I just don't think he, I don't think he was trying hard enough on that one. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly uh, going to yeah, get anywhere yeah, excited. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So, I mean, I- interesting stuff. I, you know. I just think, look, I'm sure you would agree, and maybe we have a biased opinion, you know, we're pole vault guys, but I think pole vaulting is literally one of the most thrilling events out there. I mean, you're talking about people that are trying to run as fast as a sprinter, have gymnastic ability, you know, the total total athlete, total body. I mean, like, it, it, like sprinters can get away with not being strong upper body, pole vaulter can't. Pole yeah. vaulter's got to right. have strong upper body, strong lower body, coordinated, skillful, competitive. I mean, there's so much more involved with pole vaulting. You know, I mean, think about all the decisions you have to make throughout a competition oh, yeah. and how long pole, a competition grip, step, everything yeah, and how, how long a competition can last. It's so so exciting. And I just think the presentation of it has to change. Yeah. There's more exciting ways to present it, you know? Absolutely. It definitely can be made into a much more spectator sport. Well, I have an idea that I think is pretty cool for my mind. I'd love to hear. So one of the, besides having you announce it, one of the other things that, I mean, we're going to have music. We're going to have DJ Mike Roberti, who's going to also help Joe announce the meet. Um, we're, you know, a lot of times people don't know where the bar's at. Yeah. Now, maybe for those of you who are fight fans, you know what ring girls are. They're the girls that go into the ring and they have a card that says what round it is, right? So everybody knows what round we're in. Well, we're going to have bar girls. Very tasteful. You know, they're going to be wearing T-shirts and stuff. Um, but they're going to walk up and down the runway letting people know what the bar's at. I think that's cool. That's cool. You know, and they, they can also work the crowd, you know, take pictures with everybody on Instagram, you know, really make the event more fun, you know? I think that's a great idea. I'll be bringing my short shorts just in case they don't get the draw. Well, yeah. I mean, look, if we have to put Joe out there, you know, you know, that's what that might that might be an option. That might be an option. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I got to be in there in the trenches with them. Yeah. So look, um, looking forward to July fifteenth. I'm so glad that you're going to be announcing the meet. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped. I'm yeah. actually really excited. Yeah, it's a good opportunity to just get everyone involved, get everyone excited. I hope people are leaving the meet saying, "I can't wait for the next one. I can't wait to see my kid or see my see my sister's kid or, or whoever jump." And uh, I, yeah, think, yeah. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good time. Yeah. And, and want to thank you again for being on the podcast. I think it's great. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. And hopefully I'm hoping that some of you who are a little upset at Joe can find the kindness in your heart to forgive, you know, and understand where he's coming from. He's got a, he's got a good heart. 
He's coming from a good place. Yeah, everybody. all that hate mail, man. That's cutting me, that, <laughs> that me deep. I can't wait till the one year anniversary on Facebook when it comes back. And it's like, <laughs> would you like to share this memory? Here we go again. <laughs> all right. Well, ho- hopefully you do understand where he's coming from. Um, thanks for listening. Um, I think this was a great episode. I think Joe enjoyed himself. I enjoyed myself. Hopefully you guys enjoyed listening. Thanks. See you next time.